Hey everybody, welcome to a Saturday slash Sunday edition, whenever you're listening to this, of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. We are sitting outside of the Browns facility in Berea as they've just wrapped up day three of the NFL draft, making seven picks total in the draft. They traded away their final pick to Baltimore. Thank you, Andrew Barry, for doing that. That was probably the biggest win of the draft. Let's go through the picks here uh, on day three. We're going to take some time to really get into the whole draft and a roundtable uh, in the next day or two. So let's really focus on day three today. And also Doug Maurice is going to join me a little later to tell me a little more about these Ohio State players the Browns drafted. But let's just start with one of them, Dewan Jones, the tackle from the Buckeyes. Mary Kay, he is six foot eight, 374 pounds. And Siaki Ika, who we got to meet today, said during his press conference he was shocked the Browns took someone who is bigger than him, and I am too. This this man is enormous, and I actually cannot wait to see him at uh, at rookie minicamp. Well, when you think about it, uh, Siaki is only six foot three, so I don't know why he would uh, be so shocked that uh, that there would be someone that is actually bigger than him. Um, because obviously six foot three is, you know, is not enormous. Uh, but lo and behold, Dewan Jones is enormous. And the way that they talk about him, uh, was it, who was saying that they had never seen a human being that big? Was it Andrew? Um, who was it? Do you remember Ashley? Was it when Andrew made the comment? He compared him to like an orca, right? I think it might've been Andrew, but I think Siaki, I mean, obviously made, similar comments that he didn't think that it would be possible to draft somebody bigger than him. And he made a comment like, but good for them for finding that guy. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm anxious to see what he looks like. We've got rookie mini camp coming up May 12th and 13th. We'll be out here for that. And uh, I'm very anxious to just see how big he is in person, because I remember uh, back in the day, there used to be a couple of really big Browns offensive linemen like this. We haven't seen one around here. In fact, I remember for my um, for my wedding video, I stood between two of them and took a picture for my wedding video with two of the biggest offensive linemen that I could find. And they were probably pretty close to uh, DeWand. But yeah, this is an interesting pick. I think the question a lot of Browns fans have naturally is, does this tell us anything about the future of Jedrick Wills, whose fifth-year option uh, still on the table? The Browns have till May 2nd, which is Tuesday, to exercise that. Mary Kay, does this tell you anything about Jedrick Wills' future here, or is this unrelated? You know what? It could be related in some way because, uh, you know, if they decide not to, ultimately pick up the fifth-year option. And I've been writing and saying all along that they will and that they should. Uh, But if for some reason they go the other way and decide not to do it, you know, now they at least have somebody in the pipeline that that they think can come in and play tackle for them, whether it be right tackle, whether it possibly be left tackle, although it is usually hard to make that transition. Um, but, the, you know, they got somebody waiting in the wings now. And so, you know, I suppose it, it could be a factor. Ashley, do you read anything into this? Not really. Like, not too big. Like, oh, this is Jed Will's replacement and he's here. But, like, I do think, again, 
it's kind of like an insurance policy to me. Like, it's almost like it's not the exact same thing, but like they brought in Ethan Posick last year, right? And that was an insurance policy they ended up needing, and it worked out so well. They decided that for this season, Ethan Posick is going to be their guy at center. So I don't think it can hurt to draft another tackle. And it, like the Jed Wills future thing is still kind of a question mark, but I'm kind of like Mary Kay in that I think it's it's going to happen at some point. And, you know, we haven't heard them talk down on Jed or anything like that. I think the fact that he works with Bill Callahan is still really huge. They think that he's going to be a guy who can get the most out of Jed Wills. So um, it doesn't per se, like make me think, oh, Jed's future here is in question or something like that. Okay, let's move on to the next pick. That was 111. This is pick 126. Isaiah McGuire, a defensive end out of Missouri. This was a guy who, if you've been listening to our draft podcasts, uh, I think we actually took him. We might have taken him with one of the third rounders that the Browns had in, in one of our mock drafts. I know that he's probably appeared in various posts that you two have written at some point as either a mock draft option for the Browns or just a, a player to watch for the Browns. Uh, Mary Kay, I thought edge rusher was super important for this team to address to just kind of keep building that stable of edge rushers, kind of like receiver. You know, you keep adding receivers. I, I like kind of just keep adding edge rushers too. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see some more uh, as they go through the free agency process, because they still have spots on this 90 man roster available. So uh, I like this pick of McGuire again, a bigger guy, six four, two sixty eight. Um, so that's kind of a big defensive end and just kind of more guys for Jim Schwartz to play with. Yeah, and you know when you take somebody in the fourth round, I think you're looking at a, that player as someone you think can come in and contribute this season, and I think he will challenge to do just that. So this is someone that's probably going to press Alex Wright for some playing time there at that number three edge spot. He will be a candidate, but I agree with you 100%. They need to keep throwing bodies at this. They don't have enough pressure. They don't have enough disruption. Uh, They need candidates. They need competition. They need sacks, and they need pressures. Ashley, what do you think of the uh, the McGuire pick? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing that kind of struck me about it is the fact that he is an SEC guy, and that is something that we've seen this regime drawn to, kind of like regardless of position. But I think you know, they talked about it. It's the fact that he was able to be productive in that conference does mean something. And, you know, they don't come away from this draft with like another stellar star edge rusher. Like it's not what they use their first pick on, obviously, but maybe, and we've been talking about, you know, the production that needs to come from behind Miles Garrett. And maybe it really is more of a by committee approach, but like it definitely does just have to be more than three sacks like it was last year from your next three guys combined. So um, I do think it's interesting, you know, the competition level with Alex Wright. Like, I am curious to see what that's going to look like. And and he's a player that they think is versatile, can play inside and outside. So um, <clears throat> that'll be interesting to see his future. Now, let's get weird. Pick number 140. Uh, I don't know that any of us, well, Mary Kay, you probably did. I think you were saying that you were expecting quarterback at some point in this range. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback out of UCLA, uh, the Browns used the pick that they acquired in the Troy Hill deal last year to take uh, a quarterback. Why do you think they made this move here in, in this spot for him? Well, you know, they had been talking about taking a developmental quarterback, and I think they found one that they believe fits their scheme and one that is very good friends with Deshaun Watson, and I think that's significant. 
they are giving Deshaun Watson the support that he needs to get through some challenging seasons. He still has two pending lawsuits against him. He's still going to get questions about his off-the-field issues. He still is going to see signs out in stadiums. He's going to hear, uh, you know, hecklers. He's going to hear comments while he's out there. And uh, the way that I wrote it in my column was, you know, that that quarterback room has to be his sanctuary. It has to be his refuge. It's got to be a place where he's got people that he feels really comfortable with, that he trusts, and that he likes. And and I think that they worked very hard to make sure that they've got guys in there like that, including Joshua Dobbs, who goes all the way back to high school with Deshaun Watson. I think it's important. This is a fun player, Ashley. Um, you know, I do wonder if we dig into this draft, if there might come a time when there's a player that maybe went somewhere, let's say in the next five or six picks, that you say, man, that guy could have come in and helped the defense, or that guy could have come in and helped the receiving, whatever it is. But uh, for whatever reason, this is the player that the Browns targeted. And, and well, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, for a lot of reasons, Mary Kay just listed. Um, this is the player the Browns decided to target here. And I did see a report that Minnesota might have been interested in him, and they actually picked at 141 before the Browns went back on the clock at 142. So maybe uh, a little shot at Quasey here by by Andrew Barry uh, to, to make this pick. But uh, this could end up being their long-term backup. Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, it's just interesting because we haven't seen this regime draft a quarterback yet. This is the first one. The Browns haven't drafted a quarterback since they picked Baker Mayfield in 2018. So it definitely is a new way for them to acquire a guy. And, I mean, like we've talked about, developmental guys, you know, you can, it's going to be a quarterback for the future for years down the road, you know, post Deshaun Watson. Or it could be a guy that you develop and becomes a key part in a trade one day. Like, it doesn't mean that... He's ever necessarily going to have a huge, huge role in terms of like being a starting quarterback. And it's not, it's obviously not what he's walking into. He talked about the fact that his development is a big part of why he was excited to come here because he's already gotten a chance to work out with Deshaun and learn from Deshaun. And he's going to get to continue that now as an NFL player. So um, it's definitely a different path than they've taken before. But I think because of a lot of the stuff Mary Kay said, it just kind of made it probably an easier decision for them to go this route. If uh, you heard that in the background, this is the joys of, of taping here in Berea. That was the new defensive line coach, Ben Bloom, newly promoted, I should say, and, and linebackers coach Jason Tarver uh, in the background. They've got some new toys, especially Ben Bloom, uh, some new toys to play with. Uh, another pick at 142, Cam Mitchell or Cameron Mitchell, the cornerback out of Northwestern and Mary Kay. This, has been, this is a big relationship draft. One of Greg Newsom's really good friends coming to Cleveland to join him here. Yeah, just coincidence. Lots of friends, lots of guys that played against each other or with each other in high school or have known each other for a long time. Anyways, Cam Mitchell and, and Greg Newsom haven't only known each other since their Northwestern days. Uh, they go all the way back to when they were about 11 years old playing seven-on-seven football in Chicago. They're both from Chicago. Uh, they're really, really good friends. Uh, Greg was very excited and happy about this. Cameron Mitchell can't wait to come in here uh, and get to work and, uh, you know, and be in that room with Martin Emerson and Denzel Ward and, and Greg Newsom. He can play inside. He can play outside. All these guys are going to cross train, so there will be different candidates in the slot. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you can almost always count on a defensive back being drafted by Andrew Barry. Yeah, I was going to say, Ashley, of course, of course the Browns drafted a corner. 
death taxes and Andrew Barry drafting a defensive tackle, or defensive tackle, a defensive back. These are the certainties in life. Defensive tackle has not been a certainty, although it was in this year's draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think too, it's like, it's a, it's a friend for Greg. It's somebody who's a little bit more versatile um, as well. He didn't play a ton of snaps, slot snaps in college. I don't have his numbers right in front of me. The most slot snaps he played was in 2020 when actually he had to end up filling in for Greg for a portion of the season after Greg got hurt and taking on more responsibility as an underclassman. But um, I do think it's interesting now because, you know, we see his versatility and we heard from Greg last week and Greg basically said that his kind of feel for the Jim Schwartz system is that corners are going to do a bit more of everything and that his biggest issue last year with playing in the slot in that scheme was he felt more like a linebacker. And it's like, I just don't feel like that's what's going to be going on with the Jim Schwartz scheme. So it is interesting to kind of add somebody who's Greg's friend, who he's familiar with, who he's played with, and who has that versatility too. Yeah, it'll be. I, I, I'm curious how this cornerback room is going to shake out. But really, after that that top three of Emerson, um, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, there are some questions, and there's certainly some room for for competition uh, behind those guys. Okay, the last the last guy up, a center, Luke Whipler. Um, I don't know that we have a lot to say uh, about Luke. Um, he wasn't mentioned a whole lot in Andrew Berry's recap press conference. But interestingly enough, at least, Mary Kay, the first time since 1965 that the Cleveland Browns have taken two Ohio State players uh, in a draft. Wow. I mean, who would have thought that, right? Uh, that, that really is kind of hard to believe. Uh, and not just two Ohio State players, but two Ohio State offensive linemen. Uh, so they went to the well there a couple of times. Uh, again, as you mentioned, you know, they need to have, you know, centers that can come in and be in the pipeline. Now, whether or not Nick Harris is the number two this year or if he's not, they still need other guys that can be candidates there. And then, you know, the way that your roster shakes out will depend on how some of these young guys come along. Who knows if, you know, Nick will even be able to come back super healthy from that knee. Um, So, you know, now they've got somebody else behind Ethan. Ashley, uh, Luke was asked at the Combine about, I guess teams were asking him about playing guard. And so he was asked about that. And this was his quote. I think it's actually probably going to be easier. You don't have to worry about snapping the ball or making calls. You just got to put your hand in the ground and go maul somebody. I like this guy. I don't know anything about him, but I like this guy. Yeah, I mean, and we were reading, like, it looks like he played lacrosse at some point, maybe in high school, and he just, he looks like a lacrosse player. Dan and I were joking. Like, he looks like he would have been one of those guys out there with the longer sticks just as a defenseman, like, beating the crap out of somebody. But... You know, I do think it's interesting for them to take, you know, another interior guy because last year, like, they had a serious issue with depth at their center spot. And again, like, we've been talking about this with the linebackers, but considering Nick Harris is coming off of, like, a pretty traumatic season-ending injury with a longer recovery, it's like, I don't know. Like, Ethan Posick is really good, right? Like, I think he's definitely the guy there for this year, but I do think, like, you don't want to end up in a situation where Yelda Froholt is kind of thrown in to being your center again. So, I like I like that he has this experience, even though I wasn't like coming into today thinking, oh, they're probably going to draft a center who could also maybe be a guard. So it's it's an interesting pick, but I don't hate it. Okay, you know who knows a lot about Luke Whipler? Douglas Maurice. So I'm going to talk to Douglas Maurice. We're going to go back indoors. I'm going to talk to Douglas Maurice. He's going to fill us in on these two Ohio State players that the Browns drafted today. That's going to come up after the break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm now joined, as promised, by Doug Maurice to tell me about the two Ohio State players the Browns drafted. I also want to ask Doug about 
another significant Ohio State development in this draft uh, towards the end here. But Doug, the first time since 1965 that the Browns have drafted two Ohio State players, it just happens to be two Ohio State offensive linemen. I, I guess let's let's just start um, with the first one, Dewan Jones and. I am excited for rookie minicamp. We did not get to meet Dewan today. Obviously, he was not in Berea, but I am excited for rookie minicamp because I want to see how enormous this human being is. I'm assuming you have gotten to experience that in person. Does it live up to the hype? Yeah, wingspan especially, right? Like he's heavy. We know that, but he's he's just one of those guys like broad shoulders. His, I think his, his wingspan is one of the largest, largest in the history of the combine. And so, and he is, he's like kind of like a gentle giant kind of guy. So he's like a gregarious, fun, awesome dude who is just the kind of person who even can make someone like Paris Johnson look small, you know, and Paris Johnson was Ohio state's left tackle. He went sixth in the draft and Dewan Jones was Ohio state's right tackle. And he went one eleven, but they were two excellent tackles for the Buckeyes this year. But yeah, he's a he might be the biggest guy that I've covered at Ohio State in two decades. So why was he at 111? It felt like that was lower than he was supposed to go. I know there was some reporting today, you know, kind of that after the fact draft reporting that maybe some teams didn't love the workout process and it, you know, he didn't work out at Ohio State's pro day. Why do you think he was there at 111 for the Browns? So I'll check a mock draft here real quick that had him. Oh, it was my mock draft. I had him 28th to the Bengals for <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't think you were the only one that had him going like at least early day two or at some point on day two at worst. I was checking the betting apps. I had set my own line at three to one that he'd be a first round pick like in January. And then like this week I saw in the betting apps, it was actually three to one. So not an overwhelming favorite to be a first round pick, but you could bet it. It was on the board that he was in consideration to be a first round pick. I thought he was in the next tier, like four tackles went in the top four and another went late in the first round. You knew those top four tackles led by Paris Johnson were the top tier. I thought DeWan was right in that second tier. And so I, when I talked to him at Ohio State's Pro Day, I said, I think you're going 28 to the Bengals. And he said, so do I. So we talked about this a lot on the Buckeye Talk podcast we did after the draft. And I don't know if he rested on his laurels. I don't know. He didn't maximize himself in the process. He had a great first day at the Senior Bowl. Then I think he got hurt at the Senior Bowl or didn't finish that out. And he should have gone higher than this. Like, I don't, he's too talented and too rare of a combination of size and feet and athleticism and a good guy that I, he slid because I think he had a bad three months in the workout process, but I don't think he's a, like, he's not a problem. He's not going to come in and not work for the Browns. I just think in a world when he didn't have a coach and a strength coach and, you know, competition from teammates pushing him, I think he must've lost himself a little bit because he's too good for this. He is, he is not, there are not many guys like this, Dan. So I think for the Browns to get him in the fourth round is a, a nice spot for Dewan and and great opportunity for the Browns to develop an eventual starter. Yeah, so there's always two ways to look at it when a guy like this slides. It's, you know, hey, you, you got fortunate. This guy was a second first round talent, second round talent. You got him in the fourth round. There's also the other way to look at it. And I think for me, you know, you feel a little burnt because last year, and this is a different situation because like you mentioned, there's no, there's no problems here. There were, there were problems with the player I'm about to mention. 
last year, Perrion Winfrey falls to the Browns in the fourth round. And you're seeing him mocked. He, you were seeing him mocked to the Browns with their second round pick um, in, in that draft. Now, it turns out, obviously, he's in legal trouble now. They were having issues with him, you know, some work ethic issues, things like that. So that's a different thing than Dewan Jones. But why is this more a case of the Browns getting lucky or being fortunate that he was there and less of a case of, ooh, this guy was in the fourth round for a reason? Yeah, because there just weren't issues at Ohio State. There's nothing we ever heard. And this is one of these things, and these conversations bother me sometimes, and and I'm sure they bother you too. Like, it's too many media lump, like character, adversity, all these things in together. And it's such different things. There's This guy is, is, is a great, as far as we know, all evidence is that he's a good person. I think he just, I think he just mismanaged the draft process, but he's not, this is, we're not talking legal issues. We're not talking like it's going to be a problem with coaches. The deal with this guy, Dan, is that we thought we knew what Ohio state's offensive line was going to be in 2021. And in mid August, in the middle of preseason camp in 2021, they said, okay, hold on. We're moving everybody because Dewan Jones is one of our best five linemen and he has to play. And they shifted everybody on the line. They bumped Thayer Munford from tackle to guard. They shifted Nicholas Petit Frere from right tackle to left tackle. Everybody moved because Dewan's too big to play guard, but he was one of their best five. Out of nowhere, this guy was a recruit in the thousands, Dan. In the thousands. He kind of didn't even want to play football. And he worked himself into that. So that's what he did. And then what did he do? He came out for two years as a starter at Ohio State and played at a high level. So there's just not evidence of that. So I think it is much more good fortune for the Browns than you've got to keep your eye on this guy. Anytime you have a big guy, right, weight's an issue, and he's been getting down since he got to Columbus, dropping weight, dropping weight, dropping weight. But I think, man, I think you get this guy at the weight you want him to be, and I think he has a chance to be a, a very good NFL player. So you look, you watched him play much more than I did. Um, obviously, you know, with a lot of these Ohio State guys, you know, what you're hearing is that Georgia game really raised a lot of stock for these guys. And I think part of that was it's not that they played poorly before the Georgia game, but it's just everyone was sort of waiting for that level up in competition. And a lot of guys showed out in, in that game. And it sounds like that's also the case here with Jones, that people came away impressed um, with, with what he did against Georgia. Um, I mean, is he like, is he just a good tackle? I mean, so, I don't know how closely you watch tackle play when you're sitting there on Saturdays, but like, did you notice him? What, what did you see from him? Yeah. So he's a mauler in the run game, right? But he's, he'll, he'll bury guys in the run game. But, and as the Browns said it, when he drafted him, he's athletic. So he's not just like a big mountain, like he can move his feet. So in pass protection, the first thing, like end of 2021, when Ohio State loses to Michigan, and it's Aiden Hutchinson, future number two pick in the draft, David Ajabo, who would have been a first-round pick if he didn't get hurt at his pro day. And they kind of blow up the Ohio State tackles in terms of getting after the quarterback, and Dewan Jones is one of them. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, those were two excellent Michigan pass rushers. And then I think Dewan Jones got better from there. And the other thing, Dan, is his wingspan is so big, even if he gets beat, you still have to get around him. So he can just reach his arm out and get kind of in the way of a pass rusher. Every now and then you'll see guys beat him inside with a move because it's just, again, he's so big 
But I know, you know, the Browns, like, getting if he pulls a little bit and gets out in the run game, he'll get on people in the run game. And I think he's good enough. He's good enough in pass protection that you can play him. It's not like a sieve. He's not going to get your quarterback beaten up. But he could be dominant. I mean, if he winds up, if we see, watch out. If we see a world where Wyatt Teller and Dewan Jones are lining up next to each other on the right side of the Browns line, and you're trying to make some room for Nick Chubb, that could be a beautiful mess of huge men doing good football things. Is this a great situation for him? Because you have Jedrick Wills, um, you know, whatever they do with that fifth year option in the next few days, it doesn't matter. Jed Wills is the starter at left tackle. Jack Conklin just signed an extension. He's the starter for at least a few more years at, at right tackle. And you got a guy named Bill Callahan doing the coaching who Andrew Barry said today, they believe is the best offensive line coach in football. That, that is one of those situations where the GM is not talking in hyperbole. He, he truly is. Um, is is this ultimately the best situation for the for him to kind of come in and like there's no pressure for him to play. He's not going to play. He's going to get coached up by one of the best to do it and really refine his technique and learn what it takes to be an NFL player. So I think it's good for the Browns because I think he could be a really good third tackle for them. I think he can be better than James Hudson and, you know, whatever the Browns are looking for behind Wills and Conklin. I thought Jawan Jones might be, had, would have been ready to start in the NFL this year. So actually I don't, it's not that he can't be a left tackle, but he's been a right tackle his whole time at Ohio state. So actually for him to get drafted to a place where they just signed the right tackle to a four year extension, and he's probably not going anywhere actually is probably not great for him. Cause I don't think he needs to sit for three years. Now, Jack Conklin's gotten hurt, right? So I don't, is Jack Conklin going to go 17 for 17 each of the next three years? And Dewan Jones will never get to start in the NFL. Probably not. So maybe Dewan Jones gets to be that, but he should be better than that. So on one hand, yes, I understand what you're saying, but on the other hand, Dewan, what did you do? I thought you should be starting for someone like you kind of screwed it up in this process. And the result is how could you be more blocked at right tackle than someone who's behind Jack Conklin, who just got an extension in December. So for the Browns, good for Dewan, like get, get ready, get in shape, Follow Jack Conklin around, listen to everything Bill Callahan says, and hope that you become an excellent NFL player. But man, you're not going to have the opportunity that you should have because you got drafted at a place that's not looking for a starter at right tackle. God, how can you screw up this process nowadays? That That's just... That's my, you know, with, with the ability to have agents now when you're in college, to have, like, it just feels... And it look, it happens. He's not the first guy to do this. But... It it is just one of those frustrating things. Like it is all laid out there for you. It's it's a smooth runway, especially at Ohio State. Like this should all yeah. just be easy. And, and listen, it's all I'm going by is results, right? And it like he weighed more at the combine than he was listed by on the roster at Ohio State. So like a lot of times with the college guys, you know, they get they don't have to go to class anymore. They get their own personal trainers and they look like gods. They're ripped. And it's like, oh my God, what happened to you? And it's like, oh, I just focus on football for 24 hours a day for three months because I'm trying to be a millionaire. What motivation? And that seems like it did. It's just results. I'm not inside his process. I don't know his process. I know he went lower in the draft than anybody expected. So part of it is he was a basketball guy. He he wanted to play basketball in college. And so he was not, I think, like on the football circuit, like getting that in high school. He's kind of late to the game. And so now in this process, maybe he wasn't as 
like aware of kind of what's going on around you is somebody like Paris Johnson, who has football people in his family and has been ready to be an NFL left tackle since he was five years old. Right. So then Dewan, I don't, I don't know, but it's not from, it's not from a place of malice, right? It's not like, Oh, this guy doesn't care. I just think maybe he got off the path a little bit and who can get you back on the path. Bill Callahan can. Yeah, he almost went to Kent State to play basketball, which, you know. Oh, my God. You would have been doing a story right now. You would have done a story this draft season (laughs) of, like, the Kent State power forward who might be drafted by the NFL. He could have been been that next kind of guy. Yeah, could have been the next Antonio Gates, maybe. But that's all right. He could have played in the NCAA tournament this year. Could have used him. Way to go, Dewan. Could have used him against Indiana. played in the college football playoff. God, whatever. All right. Uh. This one was a, certainly a surprise uh, with the number 202 overall pick, a sixth rounder. The Browns take Luke Whipler, the center from Ohio State. And again, first time since 1965, they've taken uh, two Ohio State Buckeyes. It just happens to be two offensive linemen. This is as open-ended a question as I could ask you because I honestly have nothing to add as part of this discussion. Tell me about Luke Whipler. Yeah, so... Only three years in college. And so was a top one, like borderline top 100 national recruit out of New Jersey. Didn't play as a, as a freshman. We didn't think he was going to play as a sophomore. And then Harry Miller, who was a five-star guy who was a year older than Luke Whipler, stopped playing football for mental health reasons. And they were like, hey, Luke Whipler, can you be the starting center? And he was like, okay. So he was the starting center for the last two years. And he's one of those guys, the, the coaches at Ohio State tell the story. They get back from the bowl. And he's calling the offensive line coach the next morning, asking about stuff. And it's like, dude, relax. He's that guy. He's the guy when they they lose to Michigan in 2021, he's talking about, oh, I was eating breakfast in the team room. And the Big Ten Network was showing Ohio State, Michigan highlights. And I got sick. I wanted to punch the TV. I was so mad. So he's a work maniac. And he like has that edge to him. But he has short arms. So I think... We had him mocked like second round, third round. He wound up being the fifth Big Ten center drafted, just Big Ten center. So the Big Ten, uh, you're looking for centers, go to the Big Ten. I just think it's traits. He's a little undersized. And all the, he went, he's the seventh center overall. The six centers who went ahead of him all had longer arms than him. His arms are barely shorter than Corey Lindsley who in the 2014 draft with a fifth round pick out of Ohio state and now is like the highest paid center in the league and is a perennial pro bowler. So, you know, traits aren't everything, but I think it must be the only reason he fell that he's just a little short you know, with those, with those measurables than anything else. And I wrote a lot the last two years about how smart CJ Stroud was and Luke Whipler was right there with him. They were the the brain centers of the Ohio State offense. So he's smart. He has an edge. He works his butt off. Only a three-year college guy. And I'm very surprised he lasted until the sixth round. The the smart part, the the offense part, and what you just said about CJ Stroud and, and him working together, um, I think is interesting because like Ohio State's offense, this isn't like Art Bryles Baylor offense from whenever. This, I mean, this is a complicated offense, if, if I'm not mistaken. This is like a real, like Ryan Day is considered one of the best play callers in college football. And, it, you know, he's a great offensive mind. This is not just some, you know, spread them out, run three routes offense. This is a real offense. No. 
Yeah, this is an air raid. This is a lot of NFL concepts, a lot of uh, like a deep, deep playbook that you've got to have a full understanding of. And so I do think he's CJ. I think CJ went number two in the draft because he has an NFL brain and he's had an NFL brain at Ohio State for two years. I think Luke Whipler has an NFL brain. So does he have an NFL body? I think that's the question. I think that's why he lasted until the sixth round. But do I think Luke Whipler could wind up being a starter for the Browns in his career? Yeah, I, I think he could. I think he has that profile. And Ohio State's sent, you know, multiple guys to the league out of that center position. You know, Josh Myers was a second round pick by the Packers a couple years ago. He's bigger. He's just bigger than Luke Whipler. So, um, but I think I think he'll love. I mean, he'll 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 be calling Bill Callahan saying like, "Give me all you got," because he he wants to he wants that kind of football knowledge. Okay, I want to read a quote that I found of his at the Combine. So he was, I guess teams were asking him about playing guard. And so during his press conference, he got asked about playing guard at the Combine. Not not sure if you were at his press conference or not, but he says, I think it's actually probably going to be easier. You don't have to worry about snapping the ball or making calls. You just got to put your hand in the ground and go maul somebody. I loved that quote. And part of me is like, well, like, you know, Doug, you've talked about podcasting versus writing, right? I guess I feel like there's a little bit of like, like God, when I have to sit down and write a story, I got to interview somebody. I got to, I got to transcribe. I got to, I got to actually write the story, all that stuff. When I podcast, I just have to hit record and talk into a microphone. I, I guess I got that vibe from that quote. It's easier playing guard. I just get to go maul somebody. Do you think you can play guard in the NFL? It's hard. Tony Pauline is one of the, you know, one of the draft guys that I know and follow said he thought right after Whipler got picked, he thought one of the reasons he fell is like the lack of position versatility that, that maybe some questions about whether he can play guard again, Ohio state had a history for many years of sort of playing guys at guard for a year or two. And when they were seniors shifting them to center, Luke Whipler, I don't know if Luke Whipler took a snap ever at Ohio state that wasn't at center. So it doesn't mean he can't do it, which is what he's saying. It does mean I don't think he's done it much. So, and then if he's a little smaller, what does that mean? And if it's one of those things, if if the best part of him is his brain, what does that mean, right? And maybe sometimes at center, you're, you're helping on guys. And depending what the defense is, there's not always a guy lined up over you. And maybe you guys talked about this. It's kind of what you're referencing, with the Georgia stuff, the big thing for us covering Ohio State after Ohio State Georgia was I thought Luke Whipler held up against Jalen Carter pretty darn well. And he's given up a lot of size. And Jalen Carter's a top 10 pick in this draft. And we thought coming out of that that Luke Whipler was like, okay, well, if I can block Jalen Carter, I can block anybody. And Jalen Carter did not dominate that semifinal against Ohio State. So if you have questions about Luke Whipler's size or power, or that kind of thing, it's like, well, I don't know. He handled that guy pretty well. So I guess he could play guard. I don't think it's a no, but I actually think you'd be losing a decent chunk of what makes him special if you're not asking him to be the the brain centerpiece of the offense. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing. This is not uh, about the Browns, but uh, I, I just, since, since I got you here, I want to ask you about CJ Stroud going number two overall, obviously um, you, you know, you, you tweeted about it and, and, um, you guys have written about it. obviously just a momentous kind of moment for Ohio State to have a quarterback go number two overall. Um, wh- what do you think of, I guess, what did you think of the whole process leading up to it, that all that S2 stuff that was leaking out and the the idea that maybe Houston wasn't going to take him and then they ultimately did just 
your thoughts on the whole process and sort of how it ended for him. Yeah, I guess I ranted about this on Buckeye Talk. I don't know what Houston was doing. I, they, I feel like they they picked, they picked knew he was their guy and they let him dangle in the wind. Like, can you leak some stuff that's like when the other stuff's coming out? Because it felt like, why is this stuff coming out? Is somebody trying to get him to fall? It's like, no, the Texans are going to take him at two the whole time. It's like, then what are we doing? The hard part for me is like all that stuff seemed to be implying is T is CJ Stroud smart? Is he a good processor? And for two years, I was like, that's all he is. Like not that's all he is, but that's what he is. He's smart and a good processor. And then that allows him to be super accurate because he diagnoses and he delivers. And that's what he is. He's not a great athlete. And people get fired up about like, oh, against Georgia, he ran a little bit. He did. But I think part of the reason he could run against Georgia a little bit is because it was a long con that he didn't run for the first two years. If you're ready for him, I always said that once he gets past the line of scrimmage, he's not dangerous. Behind the line of scrimmage, he's super dangerous. So he has to be in the right kind of system. But deliver and diagnose, super accurate, small windows. When I talked to CJ for a story I did, he said, I think I fit the NFL better than I do college because I'm more of a pocket guy. I can hit small windows. I can diagnose complex things. And so I thought he would have been very reasonable to Carolina at number one. If you have any size concerns about Bryce Young, then go get CJ Stroud. But I I think CJ will be good. Now they got to get him some receivers. I know they took Tank Dell. They got to get him some receivers. And he's not going to be a spectacular athlete, but he's smart and he's big and he works his butt off. And I love the pairing with him of Will Anderson. So he doesn't have to go and be a franchise savior all by himself. So I did not like what happened. And again, as someone who talked about CJ's brain for two years, like any, any indication, any, you know, little crumb of like, I don't know if this guy's smart. It's like, he's super smart. What are we doing? So I thought it was stupid and I made me mad. Stupid NFL draft process. <laughs> yeah, I I was floored by it. And um you know, I'll admit I and I, I'm not watching as closely as, as like you guys are, but there were times when I was a little underwhelmed this year, and I think that was just because of expectations. But like I never looked at the guy and, and thought, Oh, this guy can't play quarterback at the next level. And and that and then he and then he has the Georgia game and it's like oh yeah okay maybe this guy should be the number one pick, um, I mean that that certainly floated into my mind after that game was over. It's just so odd because Justin Fields went through like a similar thing coming out of Ohio State, but Justin Fields and CJ Stroud are so different as quarterbacks. So like that part of it, he's much more like Dwayne Haskins, and Dwayne Haskins didn't really make it before his tragic death. But I do think CJ's a cut above Dwayne, and I like Dwayne coming out, but I think CJ's a cut above that. So um, I I think he'll be good. Now you have to understand what he is, right? He's he's not gonna I, he's not gonna make crazy athletic plays, and a lot of quarterbacks in this league can do that now. But a guy that came up in comparisons for us was like Matt Ryan. It's like, I don't know, would you take Matt Ryan? It's like Matt Ryan was a third pick in the draft 15 years ago. What did he ever do? It's like, I don't know. He came within a whisker of winning a Super Bowl, and I think he won an MVP. How's that sit with you? So if he's Matt Ryan, is that a success? He's just not He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be Justin Herbert or Josh Allen. But I, th- I think he's going to be good in the NFL. Okay, I'm not trying to turn this into Buckeye Talk Light, and I'm going to let you go after this question, but this is another one of those questions I was endlessly fascinated with in this draft process. Now that it's over, where would Marvin Harrison have gone in this draft? So, and 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 I hope, maybe you already did it, I hope we're going to talk about Tanner McAllister 
and Ronnie Hickman too. The other Buckeyes. Oh the yeah, side man. That's true. They, we should, can't we get, should they talk can't about get enough of them. Yes, you're right. They can't get enough. Um, we definitely at the combine were talking to people who said that Marvin Harrison Jr. would have been the number one pick in this draft. So I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the number one pick next year because Caleb Williams is Bryce Young without the size concerns. Like Caleb Williams is everything you look for in a quarterback. But I do think Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the first non-quarterback off the board next year, whether that's two, whether that's three. He's just different. I've begged, right? The only two people I've ever like begged the Browns to draft out of Ohio State are Garrett Wilson and Michael Thomas. And like this Marvin Harrison Jr., is the final evolution at receiver for Ohio State because he has the dynamic skill set with the speed and the change of direction and all of those things as all the other guys do, but he's bigger than all of them. And he has great hands and he never stops working. He never stops working. He works, he's worked like a pro since he's 16. So I think someone told us the Bears would have had to think about not trading the number one pick. Like you have Justin Fields. How can you make Justin Fields better? Take Marvin Harrison Jr. And I talked to somebody in the building at Ohio State and I said, what do you think of the idea? Like, would could Marv have been number one? And he said, I don't know. Do you want to draft the Hall of Famer? So like, that's what, I mean, is that fair to put it on this guy? I don't know. But when your dad's a Hall of Famer, it's a little easier to do. But he's, I don't, I think he's can't miss high floor, super high ceiling. Yeah, your dad's a Hall of Famer, and the, just the film, just watching the guy, just absolutely backs up. It backs up all of that stuff that you just said. It's it's there. Okay, so you did mention it. Tanner McAllister, Ronnie Hickman, uh, the Browns signed them as undrafted free agents. What what have you got? So Ronnie Hickman, we thought was going to get drafted. Ronnie Hickman mm-hmm. on a on a kind of iffy Ohio State defense in twenty twenty one was arguably the best player on that defense. He certainly he led him in tackles, which is one of those where hey, your safety leads you in tackles. Is that great? No. So, and then he started again this year. So he's good. If, if you want to go Ronnie H, like Ronnie Harrison to Ronnie Hickman, whatever Ronnie Harrison did for the Browns, like I think Ronnie Hickman could do. Now, what is that? Well, I I mean, it's like maybe start, but maybe be like a top backup and special. I, I think Ronnie Hickman can make this team. I'm not shocked he didn't get drafted. But if you would have said before the draft, will he get drafted or not? I would have said, yes, I think he will. So he's like a very productive football player who maybe doesn't have any kind of skill that you fall in love with, but I think he can play in the NFL. And then Tanner McAllister is only a one-year Ohio State guy. He was at Oklahoma State, and, and Ohio State hired Jim Knowles as their $2 million a year defensive coordinator. And Tanner McAllister came along to basically teach the Ohio State guys Jim Knowles' defense in 2022. He was a slot corner. So like a, for Ohio State – that slot position, they for now, they think of more as a safety. They don't get him matched up in a lot of single coverage with with receivers. So I don't know how the Browns will use him. The one thing, he's like super smart. And Jim Knowles thought he was going to go to the NFL a year ago. Instead of transferring to Ohio State, he thought he'd just go to the league. And then Tanner McAllister was not invited to the combine, but Ohio State's pro day ran a much faster 40 than I thought. I think he ran in the four threes. So... Is he an NFL starter? I don't think so. I think he could make the team as a backup safety slash corner slash special teams guy. And I think Hickman can be a shade more than that. So we also thought there was some kind of slim chance that Tanner McAllister would get drafted because he ran so well. But now the Browns are just addicted to Buckeyes, so they just signed everybody that could.
Just Buckeyes all over the place now on the Browns. So uh, two offensive linemen uh, drafted by the Browns on day three, and then two defensive backs signed as uh, undrafted free agents after day three of the draft was over. Um, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter. You get texts, you get access to the stories that are behind the paywall. You want to, you want to be able to read those. So it's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Subscribe to this podcast, of course, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, Doug, I know you guys have done a ton over on Buckeye Talk as well. Um, what, what can people expect or what can they go back and find this weekend from the Buckeye Talk pod? Yeah, so we did a lot of draft stuff before and after. So the thing I'll tease is uh, probably Wednesday projecting which Buckeyes will be drafted in 2024 and where we think Marvin Harrison Jr. will go. We did this last year, and we all said that C.J. Stroud, Paris Johnson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba would be first-round picks, and we were all right on that. We all said C.J. Stroud would be the number one pick. He was number two. So I don't know if we'll be that lucky to hit that many. They were kind of easy a year ago. You could kind of see it coming. So, yeah, why? Let the draft should never end, Dan. So we'll let the draft be over for like three days and then we'll start mocking 2024. I I heard Todd McShay on a podcast once say that his most read story is the mock draft he does the day after the draft for the next year's draft. And he hates doing it, but it's always his most read story. So he just he does it every year. Sports fans love the future more than they love the present. (laughs) So. The the minute that the future even starts to barely come into focus, people are like, give me all that. So maybe we'll do a 2026 draft <laughs> podcast as well. Who knows? Just every, just every day between now and the next draft, you'll be up to like 20, the 2073 draft. <laughs> Marvin so Harrison great, great. the third. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because if we would have done it, if you would have done this. 20 years ago and been like, I don't know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And we're like, yeah, no, that was a good one. So yeah, just sons of players, <laughs> sons of Hall of Famers. All right, Buckeye Talk, check that out too on Apple Podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, they're running five days a week and then some as well, just like Orange and Brown Talk. Doug, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Good to see you, Dan. Thanks for having me, man.